Well, folks, you're in for a treat today. Uh, we have asked uh, Rick Evans to come and share with us today. I've known Rick and Lisa Penny, and I've known them for, I think it's over 25 years now. Just a, a great, faithful couple used by God. Rick and I pastored together for a while at Vineyard Columbus. Actually, Rick, I don't know if you know this, but Rick was the one who started VLI, Vineyard Leadership Institute at Vineyard Columbus. He had then planted a church. They went up to Cleveland, and uh, Rick and Lisa planted a church in Cleveland. And about a year ago, Rick began a ministry called the uh, uh, Orphan, uh, Orphan Healing uh, ministry. It's just a wonderful ministry. I'm going to let him share more about that today. But there's a book, he's written a number of books, but one of the books that he wrote called Healing the Orphaned Heart has really impacted so many people. I got a copy of this. I read it. It's, been, it's a valuable book. I know they have some copies left at uh, a table out in the lobby today. I highly encourage you to, to think about picking up that book. What he has to share really is at the core of the gospel. I'll, I'll let him share it. But I am so excited that Rick is here. We have been able to get Rick to, to commit to coming back and doing our yearly conference in 2017. So this will just give you a taste of what we'll be getting uh, in 2017 when he does the entire conference. But Rick, I am so glad you're here. I appreciate your friendship over the years. Appreciate you and Lisa and just what you've you've done uh, for the kingdom. So come, we welcome you. Let's give it up for Rick. Thank you, brother. Good morning. So good to be here in Sunbury again. I had the opportunity to share with you guys. Uh, a little under a year ago, it's been quite a year for, for me and my wife as we resigned from Vineyard Cleveland after 20 years. They were good years and wonderful years and we started healing an orphan heart ministry and I was just in South Africa, I've been in a number of states in the U.S. Uh, sharing this message and we're just tremendously excited about what God is doing and uh, so it's really an honor to be here with you today. Be before we get started, just kind of tell you a Danny Myers story. I know a lot about Danny. I could get him arrested. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> such, a good, such a good friend, and we were on staff. I was a rookie at Vineyard Columbus in the early 90s and, and uh, just trying to learn the ropes. And Rich Nathan saw something. Oh, oh you are so funny. Uh, Rich, <laughs> Rich Nathan saw something in me, and... And uh, I just so appreciate it, but the, the story is that Danny, um, he introduced me, Rich asked me to share, and the church had gotten to about 2,000 people, and, and Rich, as I said, saw something in me in those early days, and he came to me one day and he said, Rick, I want you to share, I want you to preach on the weekend. It's like a couple thousand people, and, and honestly, what I thought as I'm looking at Ridge is I'm thinking, oh, crap, <laughs> I'm, I'm in trouble. But I went, you know, are, are you sure? I'm, I'm kind of new here. Oh, I'm sure, you know, Rich, I'm sure. Uh, I think, I think uh, you have something to bring. And I said, I'll do it. And I fretted and prayed and worked so hard on this message, and I was so scared. I remember being so scared ready to just be panicked uh, before I came up on the stage that Saturday night and then did the two on Sunday morning. And I was so nervous, I was so scared, and Danny Meyer introduced me and uh, was really kind, and he welcomed me onto the stage, and my heart was pounding, and I came around to the pulpit, and I looked at my notes, and Danny had written, uh, drawn a happy face, on my notes. And I looked at it, I'm scared to death, just so overwhelmed by the moment. I looked at this happy face, I looked at him, I started to laugh, and I just, just, it was okay. It was just this thing that swept over me, and, and I was with my family to share. And it meant so much to me. It's amazing what little things can do 
when we do it in each other's lives. And uh, Danny, I've just uh, appreciated that so much. I just come up today, because I told that story last night. He wrote, he did a smiley face on my notes <laughs> this morning, <laughs> like old times. I appreciate it. You know, I, I didn't share this last night, but I think I'm supposed to share this about being nervous because I know that a number of people in this room, you teach regularly, you're an emerging leader, you've been a leader for maybe a long time, and maybe you struggle when you're going to teach or do some kind of ministry, you wonder if God's going to show up for you, and you find yourself really battling being nervous as you, as you share, before you share in your small group or a retreat or a, a venue like this, and, and you know that I'm speaking to you right now. I think the Lord wanted me to share something really quickly for you. And if you're an emerging leader, uh, don't spend a lifetime being afraid. We serve a good father who shows up. I learned a long time ago not to be nervous, but to be excited. There's a difference between nervous and excitement. Nervous is all about me. Are you going to like me? Are you going to laugh at my jokes? Will God do something? Will you judge me? Nervous is all about me doing a thing for God. Excitement is about us. Excitement is, Lord, what are you going to do? You've given me a message. He's given you a message to share in your group. Wherever your level of influence is, he's given you something. Be excited. Nervous says, this is about me. Am I going to survive? Will God be faithful? Excited is, Lord, what are you going to do? And if you take that to heart, it'll change how you do ministry for the rest of your life. Amen? Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8. I want to share, I've entitled this talk, Kingdom Stories. I'm going to share with you a story about a man named Jairus and a woman in Luke chapter 8, and I also want to share some other kingdom stories with you. And my encouragement for you from the outset of this talk is that I encourage you to be courageous today. Because I'm going to talk about some things about the orphan heart. What is the orphan heart? The orphan heart are things that are done to us often early in life, trauma, curses, vows, mistreatment, Things that when we should have been protected or fought for, we may have not been. And we made some decisions, often, as I said, early in life, where we decide life's up to us in certain areas of our life. And in effect, we feel like we're an orphan without a good father. And we carry some of these orphan things throughout the years until the Lord is invited into them. And by God's grace, we're going to invite Jesus to come to any places where you have been dragging around an orphan heart. I hope it makes sense to you. And if it does, and, and the Lord connects some dots with you this morning, my encouragement for you is to be courageous. Because you can click me off really easily. I know how it goes. Don't click me off. Don't click Jesus off. He's been wanting to get to that place where you don't talk about, but you feel and it's with you, and you're really mature, and you've grown in the Lord in so many ways, and yet this place, it still haunts you, it holds you, it has a place in you, and when this is touched, you feel like you're an orphan on the streets without a good dad. And Jesus Christ is the one who can come into that room where the orphan dwells, and he can heal you. He did it for me, and I'm going to tell you my story in a little while. It's one of the kingdom stories that we'll be talking about today. I encourage you to be courageous. Don't shut it off. Let Jesus come. If we can only touch the hem of his garment, we will be healed. And that's really the story and the message of Luke chapter 8. Let's read this. I want to share a few things, and then we'll pray together. In verse 40 of Luke chapter 8, it says, so it was when Jesus returned that the multitudes welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. 
And he was a ruler of the synagogue. He had great authority in his community of faith. He, uh, he had tremendous authority, honor, uh, ministry. He's the ruler of the synagogue. Really powerful guy, this man named Jairus. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. Why? Verse 42, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. We're going to see in later verses that Jesus uh, raises her from this place of death. It's incredible, the kingdom stories that Jesus can do. So Jairus is afraid. He's overwhelmed. He has this only daughter, 12 years old, and she's on the verge of death at this moment. But as Jesus went, the multitudes thronged him. And now another person comes into this scene. Now a woman having a, an issue or a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any of them came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately the flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those who were with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. Everybody's touching you. And you said, who touched me? And Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. For I perceive power going out from me. And you know, I would just add one thing before I finish th this uh, paragraph. Isn't it interesting that in this multitude of people, Jesus knew this woman? He knew her. We're not faces in the crowd to Jesus. He knows us. And he knows what we're going through. And he knows how to bring healing. He touches this woman. He knows that he has been touched. And he knows this healing has happened. This woman was important to him. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before Jesus. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her daughter, he calls her daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Faith. Kingdom stories arise out of faith. Faith still matters in the 21st century. It matters to God. What is faith? Faith is not becoming something that you're not. Faith is not being perfect and you earn something before the Lord. Faith is a position that says, I see you, Lord. I trust you. I don't have a mountain of faith. Do you have a mountain of faith? Maybe you do. I don't. But God just says, bring the faith that you have and I'll come all the way across the table and I will do what will bless you and what will be good for you. I'm a good father. All he asks us is to bring our trust before him, to come to him. And he slides all the way across the table and he brings the kingdom stories into our life. That's what he did for Jairus. Jairus brought a faith and Jesus honored it and healed his daughter. Went to Jairus' home, raised her from the dead. Arise, daughter. Be made well, and she was well. Jairus' faith, just this little bit of faith we bring in a great big God. I saw on Instagram recently a little quote that I really liked. It says, God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. I like that. It's really true. He just says, trust me. Find me. Bring a faith that I've already given to you because I long to do the things that are good for you and that are needed. This woman, she brings a little bit of faith in a great big Savior, and she is saved. She is saved from this 12 years and restored. It's 12 years of being worn out and desperate. I love kingdom stories of God's power to heal and restore. Jesus is still writing new kingdom stories. Is he writing stories in your life? I have seen the power of God in ministry over the last 30-some years. I have seen wonderful things. I was praying for, for someone uh, at Vineyard Columbus. It was an international conference. He came up from behind me after I had done a workshop. His name was Sam Please. I always remember that name because it's so cool. He's, he's a Rwandan pastor. And turns out he had a sinus infection for 20 years 
and nothing just cured that. And I had been teaching on healing, and he came up to me behind me in a, in a hallway, and he tapped me, and he said, Rick, would you pray for me? I've just crippled with sinus infections. And I go, absolutely. And together, we touched the hem of the garment of Jesus. The prayer lasted, I bet you, 60 seconds. Lord, would you come and do what you alone can do on your son? Sam Please and I, we went after Jesus. 60-second prayer, because it's not about us. It's not how long we pray. It's not what we pray. We say, we trust you, Jesus. Come and do a thing. Come and bring a kingdom story. And, and I remember Sam Please saying, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And I go, good. And he got my email address, and a year later he wrote me, and he said, Rick, I just want you to know, just didn't want it to kind of go without saying, when you prayed for me, I was relieved and the Lord healed me, but it's been a year and the, and the infections have not, been, have not returned at all. That's sweet. Kingdom stories. 60 seconds, Lord, would you come and touch your son? We can do that. We employ our faith. A little bit of faith in a huge Savior. I love kingdom stories of what God can do. Can I tell you an inappropriate healing story? You probably don't want to hear an inappropriate one, right? Danny's like, uh-oh, yeah. Prayed for a really good friend of mine. I don't know what I would do if he was a stranger, but really good friend of mine, and he came into my office one time, and I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I've ever shared this story. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's okay. And he was having bloody discharges from places, you know, south of the border, okay? And he was scared to death. And he said, would you pray for me? And I go, I'm not laying hands on you, man. <laughs> no way. I go, here's what I want you to do. Put your hand in the place where you are in trouble. And he put his hand there, and I put my hand on his elbow. And it was like this electrical shock went through his hand and into his places, and God healed him. Is that crazy or what? I love it. I love what God can do. Now, I'm not, don't get any ideas and don't start a ministry uh, along these lines, but, but it's amazing what the Lord will do. We reach out and touch the hem of his garment. I've seen the power of God for physical healing. I'm here to share with you in these days of my life that Jesus' power to bring kingdom stories go well beyond physical healing. He heals us. In Luke chapter 4, he says, I have come to heal the blind, to heal the sick. But he's also come to heal the brokenhearted. He's also come to set captives free. He's also come to bring social justice, to see those who so many people overlook in this life. He's here to bring salvation. There is a whole gamut, a whole variety of healing ministries in Jesus Christ. He says, I brought the kingdom, and the kingdom is marked with power. And my friends, there are all kinds of healing, and one of the things that I'm seeing in Orphan Heart Ministries is that Jesus is really wanting to come deeply into the places where we are stuck, and we are brokenhearted, and we are injured, and we don't know how to get free. A woman named Kim, and that is her name from South Carolina, I, often in, in uh, very difficult stories, I'll change a name to protect the privacy of, of people that I minister to. But she said, Rick, I want you to tell my story of what God's done this weekend. I was doing a, an orphan heart, healing an orphan heart conference like I'll be doing here uh, next year. And I was doing this in near Greenville, South Carolina a few months ago, very recent. And after I talked about the rooms, these places where we live like orphans in our heart and we don't know how to get free, my encouragement is let's stand together. And I'm going to be encouraging us to do this in a little while, if you want. And let Jesus come into the places where you know you are living like an orphan, even though you don't talk about it, you feel it. You sense it, you can't figure it out, but it's with you so often. Well, Kim was in that situation. We were having a ministry time that Friday night, the first, after the first session of the conference, and I was inviting people to let Jesus come into the room where the orphan dwells. It's a place where we feel all alone, where trauma and hurt abide. 
And I noticed Kim because her red face was getting red and a couple people were praying for her. And, and so I just kind of walked over. I had prayed for some other people and I kind of walked over toward Kim and she was seated on a chair and she was under this incredible, incredible presence of God and yet this incredible pain was coming out of her at the same time. And as I looked at Kim, I saw God's love for her, but I also saw the word rage over her, prophetically rage. And then I saw a tsunami wave. That was, she wasn't a little bit angry. She was incredibly angry by the offenses done to her. And I didn't know her, but I saw rage and I saw a tsunami. And so I whispered in her ear, she's being ministered to, and I said, do you have trouble with anger? Because I think God wants to come into it. And she said, I do get angry. I do get angry. And I'm seeing tsunami wave of rage, but I go, okay. Okay, well, I would really encourage you, let Jesus come into this place. He has something good for you. John chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. You belong to me. I'll come to you. Kim, let Jesus come into the anger that you feel. And they continued to minister to her, and, and, and I went other directions. Well, Saturday morning, the next morning, Kim uh, saw me as I came in, and she said, Rick, can I talk to you for a moment? I said, sure. She said, can I tell you my story of what Jesus did last night? She just seemed different. There was a joy in her heart. No tsunami for Kim this morning. She said, Jesus met me in my anger, I wasn't altogether honest with you last night. Uh, there has been a rage in my heart, and this is why. She said, I was raised by a father who sexually abused me all the way through adolescence and all the way through my teen years until I could get away. And not only did my father abuse me in that way, his father, my grandfather, abused me in that same time frame. She said, there was only one man in my life. It was her mom's father, her other grandfather. He was a good man. and He cared about me. And he was my safe place. He and grandma, they were my safe place. I trusted him. And eventually my father and grandfather, who had hurt me so much, kind of went off the scene. I think they both died. But Kim was really more raised by the good grandfather and, and grandmother, and she trusted him and loved him so much. He was a good man. But he had grown despondent in his later years, and Kim, now having a little girl of her own, came up on the porch to say hi to the grandfather that she loved, only to see the man put a shotgun in his mouth and kill himself in front of her and her little girl. Isn't it amazing what people go through behind the scenes? Sometimes. Kim said, through all of that, I have become so angry. I don't trust men. I struggle with life. I put that, of course, on God, and I don't know if I can trust him. He's a man. All of that kind of connective tissue. She said, I have gotten so angry. I don't know what to do with the rage that I feel in my life. And last night, you said, let Jesus come in. And I was struggling and fighting, trying to push him away, and yet wanting him, wanting him, wanting to touch him, wanting to reach out to him, and being so afraid and being so angry. And she said, something changed, something shifted. And I welcomed Jesus into that room where rage has lived for so many years, and all I can tell you is he did something. And the anger broke, and he gave me his heart of forgiveness for the people who have hurt me. And I just want you to tell people that Jesus can come in and he can do what we think he cannot do. Amen. That's so good. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus said. I will come to you. And that promise is massive in our lives. You know, in Luke chapter 8, we see a man struggling with the death of, uh, and the impending death of his daughter, and Jesus heals him. We see a woman, unnamed, struggling 12 years to get well. 
and Jesus heals her. We see people like Kim, where Jesus wants to come if we would touch the hem of his garment, and he heals. Two things I want you to think about as we continue this morning. The first is God loves to pour out his presence and his power to heal. He loves it. He is a good dad. He's not mad at us. Mad about us. And the second thing is the, the two people in Luke chapter 8, as well as some of the stories I've just shared with you, the kingdom stories of what God can do, they all share a common thread. They got serious about finding their answers in God. They got serious about their need, and these things aren't going away, and I need Jesus Christ in a way that I didn't know I needed him. We get serious about finding our answers in God, all of these people. Kingdom stories, the faith that God gives us, out of that arises the kingdom stories of what God can do. By the way, do you believe that God can still heal? I think it's a fair question. I think we wonder sometimes, how big is your God? I think it's a good question. I think it's a defining question. I think it's a faith question. Do you believe that Jesus can heal these things that you might have need of? Do you believe that he can heal around you? Do you believe that Vineyard is a healing community? Have we lost that? Do we have that? Do we love that? Do we value that? Do we have expectation? How big is God for you? Do you have a small view? Has it gotten small, a little too small? Or do you have a big view of God? I think it's an important question. Chuck Smith uh, Jr. talking about this. He's a Calvary Chapel pastor uh, in Southern California. In one of his books, he says this whole idea about being a faith-filled Christian community where we get serious about finding our answers in God, that we have expectation that God is still in the business of healing. Chuck Smith Jr. says that sign that's in the church front yard, in our case, vineyard, he says that sign in the, in the front yard is a promise to the community. It is a promise that if you come through these doors, you can meet the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. And then Smith finishes by saying this, either deliver on the promise or take down the sign. How big is your God? It's a good question. Well, let's pray. Ask the Lord to do some things, and I'm going to pray for courage. For us today. You know, I was in South Africa too before I pray. Um, I was in South Africa, as I said recently, and South Africans are a little bit more just right out there than I find Americans to be because as I've done orphan heart conferences throughout the country, uh, I find Americans to be very kind about um, the, the, the trauma that gets stirred up in our hearts that Jesus wants to heal. They don't get mad at me. At least they don't admit to it. South Africans are really different. I can't tell you how many people pulled me aside during these conferences and said, Rick, I have been furious with you this weekend. Furious with you. I thought I had pressed down and pushed down these things, these pains that would not go away, these orphan things. And as you've told these stories, God has come in and he's brought it all up. And I just want you to know I have been furious with you. I'm like, wow. I'll be on a plane soon. <laughs> Don't hurt me. <laughs> but by the end of the weekend, they all have said, Jesus came into these things. And now I feel whole. I've been furious with you. And I realize it wasn't you. It's something that I needed to deal with. It's okay to feel the things that you need to feel. It's okay. But go after Jesus. Just like Jairus and this woman. I encourage you to be courageous this morning. Let's pray. Lord, as we spend some time here in Luke chapter 8 seeing you for who you really are. We say we love you, and we say we bring our faith. We see you and we trust you and say, Lord, we're going to come after you today. And Father, wherever orphan hearts dwell, 
in this room. I pray that we would look at this and begin the healing narrative that you can bring. You can do it and you want to, Jesus. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for boldness that we would not back away, we would not shut down, but we would let you come into the rooms where orphans dwell. So we thank you for what you want to do today. I pray that you would hold us, that you would be a gentle father, but you would be firm with us, and you would begin healing that we thought nothing could heal us. We ask for that today, and we thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in Luke chapter 8, and this is the story of a man named Jairus, a father of a 12-year-old who's about to die. It's also a story of a woman in tremendous need for healing. The question is, why did they come to Jesus? There were all kinds of rabbis and teachers, itinerant evangelists, if you will, dotting the Palestinian landscape in the first century. Why did they come to Jesus? It's because Jairus and this woman sensed that there was something different about Jesus, and they were right. Jesus had brought the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1 says, Jesus says, repent and believe in the good news because the kingdom of God has come near. It has come upon you in Christ. The kingdom and rule and reign of God would be marked by love and mercy and faithfulness and goodness, but it would also be marked in power. The kingdom now would come in power. And for the rest of Jesus' ministry, he is going to demonstrate this kingdom authority. The kingdom stories of what he alone can do. He would cast out devils. He would heal the sick. He would bring the good news of a loving father. He would set captives free. He would push out demons. He would do all of this because the kingdom of God had come upon us. That's why Sam Please came to Jesus that day to receive healing. That's why my friend with the issues of blood discharges, that's why we fought to get to Jesus, because Jesus Christ alone could heal. That's why Kim, in the midst of her trauma, in the midst of sexual abuse that's off the charts, could you imagine what she had gone through as a young woman and all of the damage of her heart? At the hands of people who should have been fighting for her, they used her. But Kim wanted what Jesus could bring because Jesus had authority over heaven and earth. Jairus sensed it. How do you think Jairus was feeling here in Luke chapter 8? About to lose his only baby girl, 12 years old. I bet you he was afraid. Regular guy, right? The dad. He was a ruler of the, uh, of the synagogue. He had great authority. But he, at the end of the day, was just a dad about to lose the love of his life. How do you think he was feeling? How would you feel? Maybe afraid? Really vulnerable? Life spinning out of control? That's probably how he felt. And what about this poor woman? She's unnamed, but Jesus saw her. Twelve years with an issue or a flow of blood, sapped of strength, Probably seen as unclean because there's a blood issue with a female. Probably seen as unclean in her community. Maybe a bit of an outcast. She is emaciated. She is out of answers. She is emptied out, tired, exhausted, hopeless. She has spent all of her money on doctors who could not, in this case, help her. She has tried everything. And she's feeling hopeless and a little lost. This woman had an issue. Jairus had an issue. What's your issue? What is it that aches in your heart? If there's anything, you might be totally orphan free. Praise God, that is the idea. Jesus is making us, transforming us into the image of himself. Jesus had no orphans. That is the goal. That is the goal of our maturity and our life in the Lord is that he would heal us of these things. But what if he hasn't yet? What if you have an ache in your heart that won't go away? What if you're angry? What if you wake up every day with anxiety in your heart that you don't talk about, but you sense 
What if you've become an incredibly controlling person that the people around you say, you know what, I love you, but you've gotten really controlling. What if that is your issue? All of these things, orphans come online when we decide we're going to make some decisions, usually early in life, that we're going to take the reins in certain areas of our heart and we're going to self-father. We're going to be the answer to our need. What's your issue? And what are you doing about it? Can I tell you my story for a moment? Let me tell you how my orphan heart came online. My orphan heart was born in the back seat of a 1950s Buick. I write about it in my book. I really encourage you to pick it up. If this makes sense to you, I really encourage you to, to read it. I'm working on the workbook right now and just so excited about what God is doing uh, around the country. And in, in India, it's being translated. My book is almost done uh, being translated into Hindi, and we're going to take it all throughout India. If there's ever an orphan nation, it is India, serving 33 million gods and longing for a father. But I think America's pretty orphaned too, tell you the truth. These places where we decide we're going to father ourselves. What's your issue? Mine was fear. When I was six, it was not a good year for the Evans family. I was the youngest of four, four kids, and that year my father decided he would choose alcohol over the love of his family. And so he walked out on us, and it broke my heart. If fathers can walk out, who can I trust? And because he walked down on us, my already fragile mother had a nervous breakdown and she was institutionalized for a time. And the four of us were kind of on our own. And a grandmother, my, my grandmother was caring for us at the moment and she was driving us to a place of safety. Great chaos, great turmoil. Dad's out of the picture. Now mom has gone missing. I'm six years old and I don't know what to do. Life's spinning out of control. And so I did what every six-year-old would do, missing his mom. I started crying in the back seat of that Buick. I didn't know what to do. My dad doesn't love me. And now I can't find my mom. So I didn't want very much in those days. I didn't want money. I didn't want things. I just wanted my mom. And so I began to cry out for her like a six-year-old would do. I cried. My cries turned into deeper longings and, and, and tears. And then I began to shout out as if my mom could hear me. Mom, where are you? I need you, Mom. I need you. And my grandma was putting up with this for a while, and she doesn't know what to do. I'm sure her life was out of control with these four kids, and she doesn't know what's going on. But she did a thing that cursed my life. As she was driving, she looked back in the midst of my tears, and in this incredibly severe way, she looked into my eyes, and she said this, Rick, if you don't stop crying right now, you're never going to see your mom again. And I'm like, what? That's all I want. If I could have my mom, I'll be okay. And so I did what she told me to do. I lost my voice. I went silent. And I dried my tears. And I made a decision that day. Life's up to me now. I get it. At six years old, I get it. Can't trust a dad. Don't know where my mom is. I'm certainly not going to trust this woman. Life is up to me. And when I made that decision, this fear came upon my heart. See, I walked in this fear because I knew I couldn't handle life at six years old, tiny little shoulders, tiny little life. But I decided life was up to me. I'm going to take control. And that's when fear came. And I didn't know it. I felt it all the way growing up. My orphan heart was born in that moment. The decisions we make in the midst of trauma and pain. 
the decisions Kim made in the midst of her trauma and pain. I made that decision, and I carried fear for 46 years until I was 52 years old. About 10 years ago, I was doing, uh, I had invited someone, I, I pastored Vineyard Cleveland for 20 years and invited someone very dear to me to come and minister through the theme of the love of God, and he did so, and then we had worship, and during that moment in worship, I finally allowed Jesus to come into the room that I had felt all these years. I was so embarrassed that I, wouldn't even, I didn't even tell my wife about the fear that I had always felt. It wasn't paralyzing fear. It was just a fear I couldn't shake. It was always with me. It's exhausting living the life of an orphan heart. And it exhausted me. It didn't paralyze me. It didn't stop me. I love Jesus. I did ministry. I'm entrepreneurial. I'm a risk taker by nature. I did all of those things. It didn't stop me. It just wore me out. It hurt me, and it made me too controlling for my family. It hurt them. Orphan hearts hurt us, and it hurts the people that we love the most in this life. Fear was my issue. What's your issue? I'll tell you what, Jesus came in 10 years ago during that time of worship, and he said, will you let me in there? I was so afraid that I don't know what I thought was going to happen. I thought I would die if he ever came into this fear that I had felt for all these 46 years. How long are you going to carry your issue? Jesus came over and over through those years. Would you let me in? No, nah, mm, I'm good. I'll self-father. I'll control. Life's up to me. I get it. Jesus, by his grace, just saying, would you let me in there? You don't even know what you're pushing away. I didn't connect the dots. I had no idea that there was something called an orphan art. Until that day, 10 years ago in worship, he said, would you let me come? You've just heard about my love again. You're a pastor. You graduated from Fuller Seminary. You know the Bible. You know, you've been around. You know my goodness. Why won't you let me in? And I finally just said, Lord, come. Come in to that orphan heart. Come in there. And he did. In that moment, he came in. He came in that room that I wouldn't let anybody in. And he showed me that little boy in the back seat of that Buick and how fear had come to rule and reign in my heart. And all I can tell you, my friends, is that he flipped the switch. And I didn't feel fear anymore. For the first time since I was six years old, I felt the freedom that I don't have to be afraid. That's what he wants to do in our hearts. Are we instantly made perfect and completely whole? No, it doesn't work like that. He gave me freedom now to begin to ask him to come into all the things that would usually cause me fear. And I began to walk in a freedom. And in the weeks and months following, I got freer and freer until fear was not an issue at all. Kingdom stories of what God will do if we put our faith in him. It's a little bit of faith in a great big God. I stopped fighting against Jesus and I reached out for him just like Jairus and just like this woman. Really quickly now, I just want to share a couple things with you what, this, what Jairus and this woman did and we're going to have a time to pray. I don't want uh, time to get away from us. I want to give you an opportunity to let Jesus come close to you if that's what you need. I mean, by now you are sensing that there is an orphan issue in your heart or not. Connect, you're connecting the dots. And if you're feeling afraid, don't be afraid. Because you know what will happen as we begin to pray in a few moments? When we begin to pray, and I, and I encourage you to let Jesus in that room, if you're not ready, if you're afraid, if you're unsure, if you're unsettled, if the pain is too deep, and you shut down and you leave here today, do you know what God's going to do? He's going to love you. But he's not going to give up. 
He's going to keep coming after you until you let him in. Jesus said, I, do not, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. He loves us that much. He knocked on my door of fear so many times over my Christian growth and journey. But I just kept saying, hmm, hmm, hmm. Doesn't that sound like the enemy? Oh, oh, don't do that. Oh, you don't want to do that. Don't let Jesus anywhere near that. You won't recover. It's not going to be okay. If you were the enemy, wouldn't you say that to you? That's what he said to me. A couple of things real quickly uh, to give this text a little bit of justice uh, is Jairus and this woman shared a couple things uh, together as they employed their faith. Uh, the first thing is they, they both made a decision to get well. Jairus, he's a ruler of the synagogue, and, but he, he just no longer, he just, he just didn't see the power in his traditions and religious trappings. He decided he needed Jesus Christ to see his daughter be well. And so did this woman. She had looked to men for answers, looked to doctors, looked for human support. They both made a decision to find their answers in God. They both got serious about finding answers in Christ. You know, my friends, sometimes you just got to rise up out of the routine of your life. Sometimes you just got to rise up out of your exhaustion, out of your distractions. Sometimes you've got to rise out, up out of unbelief and fight to find Jesus, to touch the hem of his garment. That's what this woman did. That's what Jairus did. They both made a decision to get well. And the second thing they did was they came after Jesus with their whole heart. If you look at this passage, Jairus is the ruler of a synagogue. He's a man of tremendous authority. But when he comes to Jesus in verse 41, he's not there to debate religion. He's not there to compare Jesus with other godly men of, of the age. It says that he fell at the feet of Jesus and worshipped him and begged him to heal his baby girl. Jairus got serious about finding his answers in, in Christ, and he came to Jesus with all of his heart. Nothing held back. He employed his faith, and he said, Lord, work kingdom stories in my life. I'm coming after you. I'm not going to be confident and kind of cocky, and I'm not going to kind of bring my stuff of authority. I need you, Jesus. And he came after Jesus with his whole heart. And so did this woman. I love the narrative. It's verse 43 and verse 44. It says that the woman knew that Jesus was coming through the village and she came up from behind and touched the hem of his garment. I see this so clearly. Nobody can persuade me. It didn't happen. Where do you think this woman would be? She's been exhausted for 12 years. Where do you think she's going to be in the crowd? Think she's going to be out front, just cheerleader for Jesus and she's so excited? Hmm. Not this woman. She barely has any energy left. Twelve years. If I'm sick for 12 days, my wife can't stand me. I am such a baby. Twelve years? Being completely worn out and hopeless. You know where she's at? She's the back of the group. That's where I think she's. And I see her sitting on a rock. <laughs> Just kind of, she can't even stand. She's so tired. But Jesus is on his way through. And now's her chance. I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm going to come after him. I just see her so clearly. I see her. They're all applauding. Everybody's so fascinated. Messiah's here. Jesus, he's doing all these miracles. So cool. The whole, it's, they're thronged all around the multitude. I see her finally just saying, I'm making a decision. I want to get well, and I'm going to come after Jesus with my whole heart. And she comes off that rock, and she stands up, and she musters all of her energy, and I just see her working through the crowd. Excuse me. Excuse me. Would you let me through, please? I don't have a lot of energy. I can't tell you my story, but please just let me through. Would you let me through? Jesus is walking, and he's getting beyond her now. But this is my time, she says. I am going to find Jesus Christ. I'm going to touch him. This is, I'm all in. I'm coming after him. And she breaks through the crowd. Jesus has gotten past her, but not this day, not this day. And she breaks through the last of the crowd, and she sees the Lord, and she reaches out. I got gotcha. you. I got you. 
And she touches him. Touches his robe, touches his garment, and she is instantly healed. She came after Jesus with her whole heart. I think America has been blessed beyond belief by the goodness of God, and I think we also carry a curse that we don't think we need God the way people who are living more desperate terms think we need God. I think it's just kind of like, Lord, you know, do whatever you want to do. My friends, if you have an orphan heart, if you have a need of physical healing, if you have an issue in your family, maybe your marriage is not what it should be and you know it, maybe you've got a rebellious child, maybe you are absolutely hooked with a hook in your mouth with an addiction because you've been trying to self-father the pain you've felt for so long. My encouragement for you is be like Jairus and this woman. Fight to get to Jesus. Nothing held back. Lord, I'm going to find you in your grace and your mercy. The message of the gospel is Jesus says, come to me. You don't have to come perfectly. You don't have to have some, some hyped up faith. Just see me, want me. Come after me and I'll come all the way across the table and I will do incredible things in your life. Faith is the divine dance. We bring our faith and God pours out his incredible grace and his power. My friends, fight to get to Jesus, to see him, to touch him, to invite him into your need. He has brought the kingdom of God and it is marked with power. You know, the Bible says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Coming after you, Jesus. The Bible says, God speaking, if you seek me, I will come to you. When you seek me with all of your heart, I'm all in. I see you, Jesus, and I have needs in my life. I'm coming after you. I'm not going to sit on the rock and let you walk by. I'm coming after you. I love you. Lord, speak into my situation and say, arise. Heal me. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The goodness of a father. Let's stand together. That day 10 years ago, I was not going to let fear overwhelm me again. And I reached out in the midst of my vulnerability and I said, Jesus, come into this room. Come into this place where fear has been for almost five decades. See, what we do with the brokenness, broken places in our life is that we say, you know what, that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And the enemy goes, yep, that's just the way it is. You're right. But Jesus said, I won't leave you as an orphan. come to you. I promise. Lord Jesus, would you come to us now? If you have need for physical healing, we want to pray for you. If you have a need in your family, if you have some kind of need that you need to touch the, heart, the hem of Jesus' garment, go after him and just say, Lord, I need you. Rescue me. We want to pray for you. But I also want to pray for those who this orphan heart makes real sense to you. There are people here that you identify with the fear that I have felt. You wake up afraid. When things aren't right, there's a person here, at least one person, there might be more when you have a downturn in your life, when it's not going smooth, you reflex immediately to God is disappointed in you and he is releasing, he's pulling and holding back, withholding his favor from you. That is an orphan heart. And you fill that brokenness with control and fear. Jesus wants to come into that room. I think there's a couple of sisters here you have been hurt.
sexually. You've been misused by the ones who should have been your protector. And they didn't fight for you, they misused you. And you made some decisions in the midst of that pain. And an orphan was born in that season. Jesus wants to come into that place, into those tender places, into those places that are so intimate and so vulnerable and have caused you so much pain. Would you let Jesus come there? I see a person, my sense is prophetically, there's a person you are jealous of the people around you who get incredible opportunities and you feel like you are second class, that God doesn't fight for you in that same way. And it's made you do some things and decide some things that have hurt you and hurt others. It's an orphan heart. Lord, would you come into any of us who have gotten really angry and we don't know what to do with the anger? Would you come in to control the room that has control in it? I'm just going to control people, circumstances around me. I know I'm driving people crazy, but I don't know what else to do. I'm going to be, I'm going to take control and I'm going to figure this out. That's an orphan heart. That's self-fathering. Let Jesus come into the place where control lives. As a leader here, you wonder if God's going to back you up this time. He's been good to you and you know it. But when you do ministry, you are crippled by the sense that God's not going to show up and you're going to look foolish or he, you're going to be disappointed. And so you're trying to figure that out and you live in that pain. Let Jesus come into that. It's the Father you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. But come into those places right now. And I want to do something a little different than I did last night. I want to lead you into some prayer right now. Now you can click me off. You can say, you know what, this is too much. This is too sensitive. Just tell Jesus that. If you're not ready, then you're not ready. That's cool. Just tell him, Lord, I'm afraid right now. The pain is so deep, but I want to get ready. I'm going to come after you. And I bless, if that's where you're at, I bless that for you. If you're not ready, you're not ready. It's okay. But the Lord is going to keep coming sweetly to you. And he's going to make you ready. He's going to prepare your heart. Let him into those places where orphans dwell. In the next days or weeks or months, let him come there. But if you are ready, I want to pray some things for you right now. I'm going to take a few minutes and just really pray. Just let, come, let the Lord come close. Jesus, would you come? into that place? Would you stand in front of that door to the room where, orphan, where this orphan dwells? And it may be that you have a number of orphan issues. Uh, I get that. I've identified, oh, over a hundred orphan issues. I know that we can have a number of them, but there's one that the Holy Spirit is highlighting right now for you. Just deal with that. Don't deal with more than that. That's plenty. Holy Spirit, would you show us where the orphan is in our life? We've sensed it for so long. And now it's making sense. Would you stand, Lord Jesus, at that door? Would you stand there? Now will you let Jesus in? He says, I'll come to you. I promise I will come to you. He stands at that door and he knocks. Will you let him slide the key into the lock and flip the switch? Flip the lever, flip the deadbolt, where you don't let anybody in that room. Can he unlock your door? Tell him, yes or no. No, Lord, mm -mm, not today, not now. But I will.
Stay close to me. Heal my orphan heart. He'll love you, and he will minister to you right now, and he is preparing you. But if you are giving him permission, let him unlock that door. Can he turn the knob? Because there's a lot of pain behind that door. There are dark things, and there are sins against you, and sins that you've committed because you've tried to manage your own pain. That room is dark, and it is filled with stuff. Can Jesus open the door? He's the light of the world. He knows what you've been through. Can he open the door and bring his light into that room? It's not going to be a pretty picture, but can he come in there? I see someone being spoken over as a young person, as a child. You could never earn your parents' approval. Whatever you did, you tried so hard. It was, you always came up short, and you've put that on God, too. It hurt you. I never can satisfy the people in my life. And now I wonder... If God looks at me or if he looks away in disgust, Lord, would you come into that room? I see a mom who you are, you are using your anger to release it on your children and you are angry too often with them. And it gives you great shame because you release this anger that you don't know what to do with onto the, onto the kids that you would take a bullet for you don't know what to do Jesus does would you let him into that anger it's there for a reason your orphan heart was born with anger that's how you dealt with it would you let him in there light of the world Jesus Christ the one who brings the kingdom stories a power that you alone can bring would you come into the room come in invite you to come in come into that place place that has worn us out place that we couldn't figure out place that has fueled us to hurt the people around us to frustrate the people around us would you come into that room Lord Christ be the light of the world and begin to clean it out Shine your light on what's happening in that room. How old are you? As the Lord is walking into this room, when you were traumatized, when you were hurt, when you were injured, when you were cursed, I think there's a number of people you were cursed by words spoken over you. How old were you? What was going on? Who's in that room? What does the furniture look like? What's on the walls? Lord Jesus, would you shine your light and bring a healing that only you can bring? Come into the room where the orphan is. Bring your love. Bring your glory. Clean out the room. And break the power on the orphan heart. Break the power. Come and speak. Come and speak. Tell us the truth. Break the power, just like you did for me with fear. You just broke it. You broke it to give me room and maneuverability that I could come out of the fear that I drug around for so long. Would you break the power of the orphan hold in my friend's life? Come into it. Let him minister his power right there, right at that place where decisions were made and violations happened. Would you break the power off of it, Jesus? Break the power off of orphan holds right now in your name. Let him love you. You might be a child in that room. You might be fully adult and be fully you. Just Everybody's different in that. Let him come into the place that broke your heart. There is safety here. You're okay. It's okay to feel the things you need to feel. All right. Jesus will hold you and we will hold you. Just come into that place, Lord.
Now our time is, is, uh, is done, but I would encourage you, we're going to have people who would love to pray for you. Uh, if you would like prayer, now sometimes you just kind of deal with it yourself and then begin to move in that in the next days, the next hours. Don't be surprised that Jesus is going to start coming in like a flood in the next hours. Let him come. He's opening this room because he wants to heal you fully. It's going to take time, but he is good. The Father wants to father you. But if you would like to receive prayer as we finish right now, we'd love to pray for you. If you have a physical need, if you have a family need, if you have a financial need, or you have an orphan need, we would love to pray for you if you would like that. God's here. He's here. So why don't we uh, come and let's pray for one another. And if you want to take the Lord and and go out into this day, you can do that. I'll turn it over to my brother. Yeah, I do invite folks to feel free to come up and get some prayer as we finish up here. Parents, we're going to have to ask you, at least uh, one of the parents, to pick up the kids from the children's ministry classes. But uh, let let me... uh, just pray a, a benediction over to you, over you, but feel free to get prayer when we're through. Father, come right now. Just pour your spirit out on us. We say, as Mary said to you, come and, and have your way with us. Be it done to us according to your will. Bring your purposes and your power. In Jesus' name.